Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. We are in episode four of our series, How to Avoid a Divorce. We're looking at 10 ways to avoid divorce and particularly the post-holiday divorce. Since January through March is the prime divorce season, we want to reach people who may be contemplating a divorce. And just as important, we want to reach the friends and the family members of those they know who are going through difficult times in their marriage. The best way to prevent a divorce is through another couple or a friend or a family member coming up alongside and providing some solid information and how they can heal a marriage versus just saying, yes, you need to be happy, go ahead and get a divorce and that type of thing. There's, there's more to it. We're, we're exploring 10 ways. And when I ended last episode, the way I suggested was conversion. And, you, you know, a lot of people think, what is really, I mean, really, let's get real here a second. What does religion have to do with marriage? And it's this. I talked about conversion, and people think of conversion as something like, oh, that takes place in a Billy Graham crusade, or that takes place in a parish renewal experience or something like that. But what happens in a conversion a person has a new center in their life. And the chief problem in marriage is when one spouse says, my will be done, and the other spouse says, my will be done. You have built-in conflict of the wills. And the transformation that comes in a genuine conversion, and you don't become a perfect person but the orientation of your life changes from my will be done to thy will be done. And I need to mention that the center of this will problem, when I'm saying my will be done, this is actually, believe it or not, is a form of idolatry. And what sin does to good human beings is makes them extremely self-centered. And being self-centered is the opposite of self-giving. And if you want a Catholic definition of marital love, it's the giving of self. And the opposite of that would be selfishness. Now, here's the trap. Say if you're the type of person who likes to read and you're in marriage problems, well, you go to your nearest big box bookstore and you go to the self-help section. Now, stay with me a second. There is a very deep trap in the self-help section of the bookstore or even the self-help advice you hear in various forms of the media. If the problem is self, is self going to solve the problem of self? Or do you need a resource outside of yourself? Anyone tempted to self-help 
to correct significant life problems, significant marriage problems. A little later in this year, we're going to be talking about certain sexual addictions and pornography addictions and how to overcome them. So a serious addiction. And if self is at the core of that, listen to the self-help warning from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 7. He says this, I do not understand my own actions. I'm a contradiction, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. See, this is the trap of self. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. And then he exclaims, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Guess what the next verse talks about? Jesus Christ. You see, the self-help section, the self-help trap, the self-help, group help, whatever, very often that is reinforcing the problem, a, a, a focus and increased dependency upon self to solve the self problem. This is why we need Christ, and that's why Jesus can give us a new center. Jesus himself said in Matthew 17 and verse 20, for truly I say to you, listen, if the Son of God says something to us, and he begins it by saying, truly, we we need to listen. He says this, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Now, what is Jesus saying? You know, Here in South Carolina, we can actually look from a high part of town in Greenville and see the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I can fully and completely and 100% assure you Jesus was not talking about rearranging the Blue Ridge Mountains, okay? He was talking about moving spiritual mountains in your life, like significant marital problems. They can't be moved by human effort, self-effort, but if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed is small enough that if you're like me, you're probably going to not even be able to see it without your glasses or maybe even a magnifying glass. That teeny amount of faith, See, you don't have to be a big spiritual giant, a teeny amount of faith, and approach God and ask for the mountain to be moved in your life. And that mountain to be moved, I'll tell you, it's more difficult than moving the Blue Ridge Mountains is moving the human will from selfishness to thy will be done. And that's the miracle that Jesus works in human beings turning them from lovers of self to lovers of God and lovers of their neighbor. So watch out for the self-help trap. Now, you know, I was planning to actually be done last time with conversion, but there's another part of conversion I really have to bring up. And it's so important to me. And it's a word that uh, I'm actually at this point giving to wives, 
because I've tried to give this message to men, and honestly, I haven't found a whole lot to listen. So this is going out to the wives. And I know there's some wives listening to this broadcast and are saying, boy, that conversion stuff sounds great. Yep. From my will be done to thy will be done. Sounds great. I wish I had it in my marriage, but you don't understand the mountain in my marriage. How, how can I see this change? And here's the deal. I have worked with Catholic men, particularly fathers, for over a couple of decades now. And it's very tough for a man to be kind of pressured to change, and I'm talking about deep inner change by his wife. That's why we had conferences that basically when no one wanted them, we hosted Catholic fatherhood conferences all over the country until things have kind of blossomed in Catholic men's movement offering conferences all around the country. Now, something has happened that I've noticed over the past, say, decade, maybe even a dozen years, is that in a Catholic men's conference, we saw mountains move with regularity. In other words, we had guys come to a Catholic father's conference who wouldn't come to a normal parish event, a normal uh, spiritual enlightenment event, or a prayer meeting, or some other kind of thing, but they would come for the sake of their children. And we would then try to paint the clearest possible picture that say, you may not care if you go to heaven or hell. And the way you're living, you know you're on the path to hell, and you're okay with that. But just be aware that if that's the path that you're on, there's a great, great probability that your children will follow you into hell. And just painting that picture and being direct, and being a man is being direct. You don't pussyfoot around and say things that are sins or just not sins and that kind of thing. You get direct. We had men who hadn't been in confession in 5, 10, or 15 years go home in a state of grace. That's moving mountains. And here's the reason why that worked, because it, it, it's not Steve's plan or anybody else's plan. I truly believe this is God's plan to move mountains in marriages. And by the way, um, we would bring the wives in real quick after that because we would share with the guys, if you even want to be with your kids, you're going to have to work to make your marriage strong in today's world. That's why we called ourselves St. Joseph's covenant keepers. It's the essence of being a good dad is being a covenant keeper with your wife. But here's the deal. Malachi 4.6 was kind of the, the marching orders. This was a verse from almost the very end of the Old Testament. And the state of Israel, the culture was an utter mess. Uh, the priesthood has had all kinds of scandals, kind of sounds like stuff going on today. And God says, I'm going to give you a choice. Um, I'm either going to just destroy you as a people or I'm going to renew you. And this is how the renewal would come. 
Malachi 4, 6, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. This is what caused conversions. Now, some Catholic conferences that I helped establish years ago for Catholic dads, I've been invited back, and they've grown big with lots and lots and lots of Catholic grandfathers attending, but that's a little late. The cement's dry on your children by the time you're a grandfather, okay? You have to read Catholic fathers. And rather than speaking on fatherhood, since so few fathers were there compared to the grandfathers, I was asked to speak on abstract topics like being a man or sacrificing for your faith or evangelism or discipleship. Keep it nice and abstract. Don't talk about the nitty gritty of the stuff you have to do to prevent a divorce so you can stay with your wife, so you can be a good dad. And what do you do with a two-year-old? What do you do with a teenager? That type of thing. That brought men who wanted to be good dads, and we tried to paint the picture that to be a good dad, you have to hook up with God the Father, and you do that through Jesus and being committed, and you can't do that with serious sin in your life, so you go to confession today and get that taken care of. I used to even tell guys, I said, you know, if you haven't been in a decade, just butt to the front of the line. Just say, I haven't been in a while, and I really need to get in there. Everybody would laugh, but they get the idea. This is moving mountains, and (laughs) this has ended because the Catholic fatherhood movement has morphed into the Catholic men's movement, and it's an older Catholic men's movement. I'm an older Catholic guy. I'm a grandfather. But what I would want for a conference would be a fatherhood conference for the men raising my grandchildren. That's where the future is. I went to a wonderful Canadian uh, Catholic men's conference, started out as a fatherhood conference, kinda has morphed over the years to a men's conference. Some of the young dads came to me and said, Steve, I can't tell you how much we've appreciated today, but if you know of any conference on fatherhood, Catholic fatherhood anywhere in the United States, would you let us know? We'll fly as a group of us to wherever it is. So why did I say all this to the wives? I've said this to Catholic leaders who speak at Catholic men's conferences. I've tried to persuade leaders of Catholic men's conferences. But part of the deal is this. Um, It is very difficult and time-consuming to organize any type of conference. And a lot of guys who are trying to, you know, keep in shape a little bit, um, grow their business or their professional career, uh, do all the things you have to do with your kids and your wife and your family. I mean, where's the time left to put into organizing? And what's happened is that a lot of young, gifted corporate retirees are organizing the conferences. And rather than being self-conscious about doing this in service for the young dads, it's basically become a mirror of themselves. That's who's attending. And as a result, the young guys 
Um, I've had young guys now tell me, I'm not going to any more Catholic men's conferences. I need stuff to help me as a father. So uh, wives, you have a lot of leverage here. So I'm appealing to you today. And by the way, um, when I was doing conferences for Catholic men, including men who had mountains in their lives that need moving, I can remember, I think it was in St. Louis, driving around town before a conference with a, a deacon, and there was a group of Catholic wives in Eucharistic adoration praying for a list of men who were refusing to go to the conference. And that phone rang every 15 minutes. They would just keep praying for these guys, and boom, so-and-so's coming. Boom, here's another one. Ring, ring, here, another one's coming. And probably three-quarters of those who came to those early conferences for fathers were nice gifts from their wives. And I said, you know, this isn't like go get straightened out by Steve and these other guys. I said, no, uh, give them a gift certificate to Outback Steakhouse and, uh, you know, make it a, a wonderful type thing, a, a good thing, a refreshing thing, not like you got to get squared away. We'll square them away. But uh, so any case, when somebody says to you or your parish priest, oh, we're going to have a, another Catholic men's conference and say, Father, you know, that's good. But you know what's great? A conference just for Catholic fathers who have children still in the home or maybe at college or maybe have come home. But dads who are actively involved in fathering children. And I dare say we need some Catholic wives to speak up and try to see a change come back about. And if you have any ideas on this, any insight on this, any passion for this, I would urge you to begin praying for them. If, if, if I mean, the mountains moved. I saw the mountains moved when Catholic wives were praying. And this is the best way I know of to bring a conversion into the life of a man who really needs a conversion experience, a renewal of marriage. Uh, we had, uh, let me just tell you another story. I mean, I can remember one, again, it was up in Canada, and uh, these guys would have me, here I was living in Florida, and all these northern states in Canada would have me up for men's conferences, fatherhood conferences, during the middle of the winter because the guys were inside. There wasn't any fishing to do or anything else that time of year. So we were in a hotel, conference center, and the whole place was snowed in and the flights were canceled. There's some cradle Catholic guy who wasn't living at all. I mean, he was just like, I don't even think he was attending mass. And and uh, he came up to one of the guys and says, what are you guys doing here? And I said, we're having a Catholic Father's Conference. He goes, can I come? I said, sure. By the end of that day, that man had turned his life around and was ready to go home and begin enacting his faith, a follower of St. Joseph in his, in his Catholic family. This stuff isn't happening in you know, good conferences, just generic men's conferences, they're very inspirational, and, and the, there's a need, but there's a crisis, and wives know what I'm talking about, where you need a mountain-moved fatherhood conferences for men who have children in the home are the way to do it. Okay, now I'm going to tackle, in a few minutes I have left, 
one of the most complicated subjects uh, regarding marriage. And actually, this is a breeze. This is, uh, you don't need to get complicated about this at all. Uh, in fact, part of the problem we're having is that we've, I think, made this way too complicated. But I want to talk about all my 10 things to prevent a divorce all begin with the letter C. And this next C is contraception. Uh, what happens when contraception, birth control, is introduced into a marriage? And this is something that um, most people basically, if you're a Catholic, maybe not the majority of those listening to this broadcast, but the vast majority of Catholics who are married of childbearing age are using birth control. Uh, people quibble over what percentage, it's what, 70, 80% or more, whatever. But you don't need to get really deep into the theology of the body. That's nice if that's for you, but here it is. Remember how a conversion was so necessary for a lasting marriage? In other words, there's something about religion that you might think doesn't have anything to really do with marriage, but it does because of that will. Because at the essence of marital conflict is a conflict of the wills. That's why you want a conversion. Conversion doesn't make you an absolutely perfect person, but it does mean you'll have a stable, happy marriage. Okay. Well, the same principle applies to birth control. And here's how it works. The gift of the marital embrace, according to God's plan, is a renewal of the marriage covenant. In other words, the, the very strength and life of your marriage is renewed and strengthened every time a married couple enjoys God's gift of marital sexuality. Why is that? Because if you're engaging in the marital embrace in the manner God has intended, it's, a, it's an act of total self-giving. A husband giving all of himself in love to his wife and the wife in response giving all of herself back to her husband. Remember, self-giving is what Catholics call, by another word, love, marital love. And, you know, I remember one person told me, uh, when I mentioned I was becoming a Catholic, that person said to me, I wouldn't want to join a church that's against sex. How many how many people have you heard? This is the teaching of the church. And by the way, if you want to really dig into this, John Kipley, who is the founder of the Couple to Couple League, has written a book entitled Sex and the Marriage Covenant. And there's a renewal of the marriage covenant every time uh, couples uh, engage in marital sexuality according to God's way. Okay? So, doing it God's way, increased self-giving or love, marriage renewed. Not hard to figure out. But what happens when birth control is introduced into a marriage? So you might say, well, having marital relations with birth control is just the same as without it, right? Well, no, wrong. Because birth control deforms something designed to renew and strengthen the marriage bond. 
And here's what happens. It turns the marital embrace into an act of selfishness instead of self-giving. And again, this is no high-flying philosophy, but in other words, it's an act of self-reservation. I'm keeping part of myself back. That's very central to this act is obviously the reproductive part of myself. So we're putting a barrier between us. I'm holding back part of myself. And the deepest, most profound uh, gift that God has given to help strengthen marriages is turned 180 from an act of self-giving into an act of selfishness. Jim Burnham and I uh, co-authored a book entitled Christian Fatherhood, The Eight Commitments of St. Joseph's Covenant Keepers. And that eighth commitment, which was chapter 10 in the book, we spent uh, twice as much time on that chapter as any other chapter. And here's some of the things we mentioned. Is it just a coincidence that the greatest havoc in Christian marriage in history has accompanied the acceptance of birth control? Since Margaret Sanger introduced birth control in the United States in 1916, the divorce rate has increased by 500%. Since the pill in the 60s, the divorce rate has doubled. And the current divorce rate for new marriages is around 50%. And you might say, well, you know, correlation isn't causation, but why is this? If the divorce rate for new marriages is around 50%, but those couples who are following the church's teaching and avoiding forms of artificial birth control, remember, that's your ticket to selfishness, have a, have a divorce rate of under 5% instead of 50%. Why? Here's what we wrote. The essence of love is self-giving. The opposite of genuine love is selfishness. Using artificial birth control is inherently selfish because one seeks the pleasure of the sexual union while withholding the procreative part of oneself. The language of marital love says, I give you all of myself, I accept all of you. The language of contraceptive sex says, I give you all of myself, accept my fertility. I accept all of you, accept your life-giving part. Instead of mutual self-giving, contraception implies mutual self-reservation. This is what's blowing marriages apart. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that sexuality in marriage is not something simply biological, but it concerns the innermost being of the human person. This affects you deeply. It affects your marriage deeply. You want self-giving love, not selfishness. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 269 of Faith and Family.